Welcome to the Last Adopter Podcast, brought to you by CA Technologies, the one podcast for businesses who want to digitally transform and need to learn how, with Lewis Black as the voice of unreason. The average car that comes off the assembly line today has 100 million lines of code in it, five times the amount of code in a Boeing 747. Driving has become the distraction. There are so many information and entertainment options in a car, why would someone want to bore themselves with mundane driving? My friend has a new car that has a camera with a 360-degree view from above the car. How is that even possible? I wish my apartment had the furniture and the space this car has. Having a car in New York City is like having a giant pet that you have to constantly worry about. Parking is a career choice unless you take out a lease on a parking garage that costs more per year than almost any house or goat farm in North Dakota. I admired how my friend navigated the savage Manhattan traffic. Everyone sits still for a minute. Then, all hell breaks loose as all the opponents swerve in and out and try to break the land speed record getting to the next traffic light. During the rush, crazed pedestrians dart in and out of traffic between cars. During all that chaos, how are you supposed to find time to heat your seat, cool your steering wheel, speak a text message to order your lunch, and estimate how long it will take to drive to an Amish farm and buy a horse and buggy. I'm Mike Walker, executive editor for Bloomberg Media Studios. I'm joined today by Ahmed Mahmoud, chief information officer for global manufacturing and supply chain at General Motors. Welcome to the Last Adopter podcast, Ahmed. Glad to be here. Thank you. Earlier in this podcast, we heard from our last adopter, Lewis Black, and he says there's too many information and entertainment options in cars today. And when you add the stress of city driving, he's ready to go to an Amish farm and buy a horse and buggy. Why have our cars become so complex? I think the complexity is our demand for efficiency, our demand for continuous improvement. When you look at it, you think about it saying, I want to get in the car and I would like to make sure it has Bluetooth. I want to get in the car, I want to listen to a podcast. I want to get in a car and I would like to know the weather. All those things add complexity. All that takes is technology and that technology adds complexity to give us what we sort of ask for. Lewis is actually the one demanding the complexity. He just didn't realize it. You know, I bet you within a few uh, weeks of being in the horse and buggy, he'll be sitting there saying, where's my Bluetooth and where's my Wi-Fi connection? And I would like to figure out a Google map to get me to where I need to go. And then the horse and buggy pretty quickly will look like one of our cars. <laughs> GMIT has approached GM's digital transformation in a different manner than other large consumer product companies. How has digital transformation changed the culture at GM? The culture has changed in all of a sudden we realized that software is an asset. And because software is an asset, we decided to own software development. If you look at the industry, the common wisdom is outsource. I don't do the work. I manage people to do work for me. 
At General Motors, we, in the last five years, went from a 90 to 95% outsourced IT shop to a 90, 95% insource shop. That means we've taken responsibility for all of our development, our support, and our infrastructure, and that makes us very different than the industry trend that has been going on for probably a decade and a half. One of the themes of this podcast is that digital transformation is difficult. And I wanted to ask, have you had any particular challenges at GM in your digital transformation and the change you required in the way that people work? And if so, how did you overcome that? Let me answer it in a couple of ways. Change is difficult wherever you are. You have to sort of have the concept of management of change. Any human being wants to do things the way they always have done it. It's a comfort zone. In any change, everybody needs to sort of get comfortable with it. Is it going to work? If everybody else is going left, why are we going right? There's all this questioning. And the way you deal with that is one victory at a time. You have to win a customer every single sale, every deliverable, you're as good as your last deliverable. What's the correct attitude for leading transformation? That's an interesting question because every transformation is different. Sometimes the difficulties of the transformation is the acceptance of the transformation. The acceptance of the transformation are hard to understand why sometimes there's resistance. You'll come in and it's the first time you deal with a business customer and all of a sudden you see a huge amount of resistance and you say to yourself, was it that we delivered a bad product in the last few months or last week or last year? And sometimes you discover that, you know what? This poor guy fell in a ditch 10 years ago before you even showed up. You were not around because somebody dug a ditch in the wrong place. You can take an attitude of saying, well, it wasn't my ditch, not mine to solve. But what you discover in a transformation is you need to change your mindset. Your mindset is I own it. I own not all the problems I created, which I will create plenty, I own all the problems that existed. I need to solve and fill the ditch that was dug 10 years ago because that's what's causing this person anxiety. It's not that I'm causing them anxiety, it's just the change. So you have to take an attitude, all problems are my problem. What development tools have you embraced to make GMIT the best it can be? And how are application architectures evolving? Could you talk about the importance of modern application architectures and how you leverage APIs and or microservices as part of your strategy? Absolutely. Initially, when you first started programming, your first programming class with either C, C++, Java, C Sharp, in the earlier days, when you look at C, you look at the standard library out there, and the standard library was probably a few hundred APIs, a few hundred calls, but you rolled your own. Everything you did was you had to build it from scratch. As we went to the Javas of the world, the .NETs of the world, these next generation languages, all of a sudden these frameworks came about and these frameworks gave us things that all of a sudden were design patterns that we all use, saying, well, we need to log in, log off. Okay, that, let's make that a design pattern. Let's make sure not every single programming team has to develop that from scratch. I need to access the database. What are the APIs that are built in that allows me to access different kinds of databases without me knowing the details? It has caused us to focus more of our attention on business value, business function, solving business problems versus being in the plumbing. Microservices is a fancy way or the latest way to do API, remote procedure calls. Now it's more standardized. Now there's microservices, there's also like nano services. That view is maybe it's one call, log in, log out. Some people view that as a nano service. A microservice can come in saying, here's a transaction, 
tell me all the taxes that I have to pay for it by different state. Those are seen as microservices. All that has done for us is it has enabled us to spend more of our time solving business problems versus dealing with plumbing. When you talk about the plumbing, why is having this robust foundation essential for developing innovative new services? I think the developing the, the foundation is critical in spending the right amount of time on different things. I'll give you an example. If every time I had to reinvent the concept of cement <laughs> and to concrete and so on, then I'm going to have the most beautiful foundation, but I'm not going to have any time to build the building. What we're trying to do is to say, let me build a foundation, and then we will build on it for many years to come. I don't want to rebuild the foundation every time because the cost will be prohibitive. If you look at some of the operating systems we're using today, some of the latest gadgets we use from telephones and so on, I bet you you can find foundations in those pieces of software that go back to the 80s, which sounds like forever. But I bet you you can get an iPhone and you can look at it and say, hey, wait a minute, there's BSD Unix somewhere in there. There's the mock kernel. That was from the 80s. The trick is, how do you get something robust enough that you don't have to change it or rewrite it completely? You just enhance it, and then when it's solid, it's part of your foundation, and now you can spend your time building more business functions and more capabilities. So it really sounds like a lot of parallels with how GM builds cars and that you're not reinventing the car with every model that you produce. Absolutely. That's an excellent point because when you look at it, you look at the cars and you say, all right, is this generation of brakes a brand new concept in the last three? No. Every generation is a small enhancement on the last one you don't reinvent it completely from scratch, then the cost would be prohibitive. So what you do is you come in and saying, all right, here's a door handle. Well, door handles have been in cars for over 100 years, but look at the latest enhancement. So the basic design is the same, the same torque that's needed to open the door is the same, but you notice the latest cars have LEDs in the door handle, which I personally find pretty interesting. Like this morning, it was dark when I got out, I walked up to the car, the door handle lit up. It's not a concept I would have ever imagined, but I sure do enjoy it. Yes, it's more complexity, but this is an example of complexity I like. Have we reached a point where technology has become a key differentiator in the buying decision? I mean, do customers come in expecting certain kinds of software in their car? For me, as my kids have grown and now they all have cars, the one piece of technology that I'm considering to be a sort of basic requirement is OnStar. OnStar is one of these things that not only tells you how to get to different places, but as a father, what I like is if there's any accident, a live person will get on the phone and say, I noticed that you've been in an accident. Should I call an ambulance? Should I call the police? Can I help you? That gives me the warm fuzzies as a parent. So for me, personally, that's a minimum requirement now for me to have OnStar in all my cars, all my kids' cars. Other people might say, I travel on the road a long way. I want to be able to have Apple Play on the car so that I can listen to my books while I'm driving. I'm driving for a few hours. I'd like to listen to podcasts or books. Those are becoming expected in the vehicles as people are looking for new things to buy. What trends do you see growing for technology careers in the automotive industry? Is that really where you're seeing a lot of growth in people coming in and the kind of people you're trying to attract to GM? The trends that I'm seeing across the industry clearly is software is growing tremendously. I would challenge you and everybody listening to this podcast, walk around your house. Can you find any device that has electricity running through it that does not have software? 
you would be hard pressed to find something that doesn't have software anymore. That I think is a trend that's going to go on in the car industry, but in every other industry, software is going to become a bigger portion of our R&D development. But I think Fortune 500 companies over the next many years are going to find that they're spending more and more of their money on software development in one way or another. I was talking to the CIO at a hospital the other day, and he was telling me, you know, our hospital beds are connected to the internet. The refrigerators are connected to the internet. It said everything's software now. It's truly amazing. A month ago, I got a water filter at home. We have hard water. We needed soft water. What I found very truly amazing to me, I'm reading the manual, and this water filter wants to be connected to Wi-Fi, to be connected to the internet so it can communicate to your phone to tell you the next time it needs more salt. I mean... Who would have imagined a water filter needing Wi-Fi connection? You know, here in Texas, we're all into barbecue. The thermometers we use are connected to either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, so we can check the temperature of our brisket. When you're sitting in your porch, you don't have to go up in the hot sun, and you're looking at your phone saying, well, the temperature of my brisket is 192 degrees, and I need to go wrap it right now. That is complexity. One of the themes, of course, is this: every company is a software company, and now we're talking even barbecue exactly. chefs are, are software companies. How is General Motors, a 109-year-old company, a prime example of, of this trend of how every company today is actually a software company? If you look probably 20 years ago, cars just had one processor in it. And now I think the current generation of cars the mainstream cars probably have 40 processors, and the more advanced cars might even hit north of that. And every one of those processors in the car needs software. So you can imagine your car is giving you the efficiency that you're expecting due to the, these microcontrollers, these processors in the car that needs to be programmed. And you can think of it, this is a computer with four wheels people are expecting enhancements on a regular basis, just like they're expecting your phone to get updated over the air. In the future, you'll notice your cars will be updated over the air because that's what people expect. Ahmed, this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel that Lewis now will understand why his car is so complex. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's just been great having you here. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. And now let's talk to someone who is actually building software to enable this. I'm here with Raheem Badia the Senior Vice President for CA API Management and CA Technologies. Welcome, Raheem. Sure thing, and thanks again for having me here today. In this episode of the Last Adopter podcast, we've learned about how every company needs to become a software company. Our last adopter, Lewis Black, is so overwhelmed by these changes, he's looking to buy a horse and buggy. Then we learned how General Motors successfully transformed itself into a software company. So what's the best way for business leaders to think about digital transformation? It's an interesting question, and many companies kind of struggle with this question. For me, though, um, I start taking a look at what I call the last mile. And this term, the last mile, is kind of bored from uh, the telecommunications industry. You know, they spend billions of dollars laying wires and fibers for making communications effective. However, if they're not able to take that capability and plug it into the home, which is the last mile, all of those investments are useless. If you think about digital transformation in today's day and age, it's really about that customer experience at that last mile. How are you enabling that end user to be very, very effective to interacting with your products and services? It's interesting you talked about Lewis Black and he's overwhelmed by the changes. And I think when organizations are kind of thinking about digital transformation, they actually need to make sure they have Lewis Black in mind. 
when they're thinking about that. Companies invest a tremendous amount of money in the products that they build, in their manufacturing facilities. Like I said, if they're not able to address that end user, you're not able to fully capitalize on those investments. And these companies have great brands, passionate people, great employees, great products, and they've been around for a very, very long time. And so certainly, you know, having a look at digital transformation as the next evolution uh, for them, I think is key for them to think about. When we talk about focusing on the last mile and the driver experience, that's really bringing together mobile, data analytics, the Internet of Things, and other technologies. So what's the key to bringing these technologies together to create that seamless last mile experience for customers, whether they're in their automobiles or anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, I think the the critical thing here, obviously, is uh, APIs are very, very critical in terms of enabling this last mile experience. Whether that be enabling developers, creating digital ecosystems, or connecting data and content from a variety of different systems. And as customers start sort of using APIs at scale, when APIs are used effectively, you can do some remarkable things. You say that you're an optimist about technology and digital transformation. What message do you have for companies and people facing the challenge of digital transformation? Why is it so important and how will they benefit from it? Why shouldn't they go back to that horse and buggy, as Lewis put it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And, and you know what? In the technology industry, we, we hear a lot of messages around, you know, you have to adapt or you die or you're going to go away. These messages may be true, but I, as you said, I'm more of an optimist around technology. I really think that there is an opportunity for every company to just deliver greater value in the way that consumers demand it in today's day and age. And I think that's a great opportunity for us, and it's not something that you should be scared of, and certainly you should strive for. The other thing that I would say here is that, yes, change is hard, but you're not alone. And companies like us, for example, and many other companies are certainly there to support you through your journey. So yes, change may be hard, but quite frankly, I think it's, it's phenomenally exciting in terms of how we are able to deliver greater and greater value to our end consumers. And again, as I said, when you deliver that great customer experience, when you're able to deliver that great digital transformation initiative, that experience becomes what it should have always been, and you cannot think of going back. And that's what's really, really satisfying. Raheem, thanks for sharing your insights. It's been great having you on the podcast, and we look forward to talking with you again. All right. Thanks so much for the time. Please join us for the next episode of the Last Adopter Podcast, where we'll learn about how established companies fare against startups when it comes to digital transformation. And now, a final word from Lewis Black. I hope you learned as much as I did today. Who knew that software could make my barbecue taste better? You have been listening to the Last Adopter Podcast, sponsored by CA Technologies. Thanks to all our guests. To learn more about how CA Technologies can help you transform your business, visit ca.com slash modern software factory. I'm Lewis Black. Thanks for listening. This podcast, brought to you by CA Technologies, was produced by Bloomberg Media Studios.